It was my first Christmas Eve service at St. James. The 4.30 family service had just wrapped up, and knowing there were two more services to go, and that one of them started an hour after past my normal bedtime, I decided to walk over to 7-Eleven and get a rather large cup of coffee. So there I was in my black shoes, black pants, and black shirt, waiting in line to pay for my coffee when the woman in front of me turned around and asked, are you serving this evening? I am, over at St. James. She looked mildly confused. I didn't know they had food there. Every Friday, I replied. <laughs> she went on. I remember the restaurant which I served on Christmas. The tips were always very good that day. I nodded. It's one of our bigger days, too. <laughs> she was up next in line, so she wished me a Merry Christmas paid and left the store. And as I walked outside, there she was again, getting halfway into her car, roaring with laughter. You're not a waiter, you're a pastor, aren't you? <laughs> I smiled, and as she got into her car, she laughed and said, you're a mess, and drove off. <laughs> that exchange was one of my favorite Christmas gifts ever. And she wasn't really all that far off in her initial guess. I've often thought of ministry, those moments of our lives when we attempt to imitate Christ, to be not all that different than being a waiter. Waiters hear the petitions of the people, namely what they'd like to order, and have the extraordinary privilege of presenting to people beautiful creations, not ones that they themselves made, but creations made by a creator who you know is somewhere near, yet never quite able to be seen. Waiters get to be witnesses of profound culinary joys as eyes bulge and jaws drop over masterful plating and presentation, all while mouths water and hands wave back and forth to maximize the olfactory sensation as the plate is set before them. But the most important part of their job, gently fading into the background so that the moment might be cherished by those for whom it was prepared and watching from afar as they sing countless praises to the creator of this bounty. That is serving. But it sounds a lot like the ministry you and I are called to as well serving up a creation that's not our own, but God's grace, then watching and praying from afar as those grace-filled moments unfold in our neighbors' lives, yet always being near, should they ever need anything. Our gospel this morning continues the dining motif with two quick parables, one on seating and another on invitations offering nuggets of wisdoms for both guests and hosts alike. On the earthly realm, 
These parables urge us not to assume we are due any honor and to be gracious hosts, not just at dinner parties, but in every aspect of our lives. To always be watching for someone who is being overlooked and to share Christ's love with them and bring them into the fold. But Christ isn't just talking about earthly banquets this morning. He's also talking about the eternal banquet as well. So what does it mean for somebody to be in our seat at the eternal banquet? What does it mean that all are invited to this banquet, even those who could never return the invitation? The second question is easy. That's all of us. When our earthly pilgrimage ends, we will be shown the incomprehensible joy of heaven. And what a splendid wedding banquet that will be. But try as we might, even for all eternity, to sing the songs of praise and thanksgiving for being invited to this banquet, we will simply never be able to offer anything of equal majesty in return. We will simply be creatures returned to the paradise in which we were created to live, to the delight of our God. For when God saw this, God saw that it was good. But back to the first question, what does it mean for somebody to be in our seat at the eternal banquet? If you were to ask me and no one ever does, but I share nonetheless. It all goes back to the parable of the workers. That owner of a vineyard who hired people all throughout the day, at the first hour, at midday, and even right at the end of the day, and paid them all the same wage, and the subsequent outrage from the ones who had toiled all day long. Someone's sitting in my seat at the banquet. Someone's in heaven that I don't think should be. Christ is telling us in this gospel that's going to happen. Those move over moments when we see someone we didn't expect to see at the banquet. But the question is, will we still find the banquet joyous? Will we still find wonder and awe in the opulence and radiance of this eternal resting place? Or will our hearts become angrier and angrier, becoming unable to find any joy because we choose to fixate on that one person who is in our seat? I suppose this is what will make this eternal banquet heaven for some and hell for others. Perhaps that's why loving and forgiving are important cornerstones of the Christian life. We'll have to get pretty good at it if this eternal banquet is to be heavenly for us. It's a tough call, this loving and especially this forgiving. But by doing so, some have entertained angels without even knowing it. 
some of entertained angels, because God's love and God's forgiveness, it's extended to others too.